good morning. We got a skeleton crew today. We got some sick, some working, some not able to be here. So, uh, be in prayer for those, especially those who are out in this stuff today. It's, it's kind of nasty, dreary day. So, um, we're going to be. This, I'm going to shock y'all today. We're going to be over First Peter chapter one today. Just, just. I've probably got marked from the past several weeks, but I just I can't get out of First Peter. There's so much here that I, I've just enjoyed this. I, I'm not even called a series. I just can't get out of First Peter and just reading it and um, studying, just finding little little bits and pieces in here to be a help. And one of the things we talk about this, I know on Wednesday nights we mention this quite a bit, and it's called reverence, fear and reverence of God. That's that's something that. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of anymore in our churches. It's, it's even with our, our children. We're not seeing reverence anymore, and that's a that's a respect that to have towards adults, but also towards God. And so that's something that that Peter is addressing here, and we'll read it here in just a minute. That I I, I find really really interesting in this time and day that we're living in. This is something that we need to be stressing a lot more uh, in our church in our churches and in our family lives as well. There's a lot of Christians today seem to be unconcerned with the need to be, as Paul says here, conformed to the image of his son. And that's talking about Jesus. They're they're not concerned about it. They don't think that we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The world says, why don't you conform to me? And that's kind of the way that the world, or that the the people are going nowadays. Even Christians are are flowing with the, the world now. Instead of, People think that they can live pretty much as they please as long as they just tell God about it a little bit later. Well, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Don't live worldly and then ask for forgiveness later. Just live godly and ask God to forgive you where you've messed up. That's the way we're supposed to be going. Now, somewhere along the line, we have lost our fear of God. And I'm going to read you a little something that I found doing a little research here. And research shows no significant difference between the lifestyles of Christians and unbelievers. Now listen to these, these stats right here. It makes you sick. There's no difference, now listen, between the lifestyles of Christians and unbelievers living together before marriage. That's something now that it's just a thing. Substance abuse, premarital relations, gambling, wavering on the fact that there are... are uh, absolute standards of right and wrong. You could go and you could find five Christians, five unbelievers, and then probably feel the same way about those things. That it's okay. More than likely, they're going to say it's okay. It's just the way that the world is going right now. Forty years ago, fifty years ago, we know where the world would have stood, or where the church, I'm sorry, would have stood on those topics and other topics as, t- as well. But now it's just. That's just the way it is. That's, that's the way that even the churches are looking at it now and saying, that's just the way it is. So be it. That's just the way it is. Well, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Here's one stat that it just this blew my mind, and this is a pretty recent stat here. It said the divorce rate among Christians is 26% compared to 22% of unbelievers. More Christians are getting divorced than unbelievers now. Uh, blows, I, can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. So my question this morning is this. Where have we gone wrong? Where has the church gone wrong? Where has the Christian gone wrong? I'll give you my two cents on it. We don't fear God anymore. 
The churches don't fear God. We as Christians don't fear God. We don't reverence God the way that it used to, the, the church used to. And I, I'm not that, I'll turn 40 here in a few more months. But I can still remember back growing up what reverence to God looked like. We don't see that much anymore. We have generations that continue to, to die out, unfortunately. It breaks my heart. And there's not a generation coming up under the generation dying out. There's not generations coming up and having that fear, that reverence, that honor, that respect for God. Where did we go wrong? Where did we? Where has the church messed up? Where have the Christians messed up? And I can point a lot of fingers at the pulpit. Right here is where it's got messed up. They've stopped preaching it. Reverence has been stopped because it can be offensive. This is, this is what's being said right here. I don't know how many commentaries have the same quote in it. It says, To fear God is thought to be psychologically unsound and emotionally disturbing. So the preachers go with that. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to offend anybody. And now we, we all have the, you know, the, the, the mindset, come as you are. And that's exactly what Jesus says, come as you are. Sins and all come, come as you are. But now the preachers are not wanting to preach that because they feel like they offend somebody. They don't want to talk about God. The Bible plainly says that man must fear God or else he will be doomed forever. You must respect God. You've got to honor God. You have to reverence God. And we were missing that nowadays. Now Peter right here, what we're getting ready to read is reminding those believers that he's right to. He's reminding us. Paul, I'm sure Peter had no clue over 2,000 years ago whenever he wrote this thing. He had no clue that Chestnut Dale Baptist Church on the last Sunday of February would need to hear this. He didn't know that the world needed to hear this right now. He didn't know that the United States of America needs to, needs to know that we need to reverence God, that we needed to respect God. We needed that reminder. The churches need reminders. Like Keith said, back to the basics. Reverence for God is basic. It is a basic thing. If you got your Bible, stand with me just a moment. We're going to be over to 1 Peter, again, chapter 1, verse 17. 17 through 21. Bible says, and if ye call on the Father who without respect of uh, persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Let's pray. Father, this evening or this morning, we want to come to you. Lord, we thank you for the rain. Lord, as uh, you prepare the ground for the crops to come this, this spring and this summer, Lord, we thank you now for what you're doing for nurturing the ground. Lord, this morning we thank you for nurturing us. Lord, for, for fertilizing us through your word. Lord, for, 
for watering our hearts and our souls this morning, God, for giving us a reminder through your word, through Peter, this morning that we need to honor you. We need to respect you. God, we need to respect your word. We need to respect your son. Lord, we need these reminders sometimes. And Lord, I pray today that we would just do that. Remind each heart that's here, those that are listening, to have reverence for you. Lord, you love us. We should honor you for that. You sent your only begotten son to die for us. We should honor you and reverence you for that. There's so much that you could have done for us that we don't deserve. We could be everyone sent to hell right now for the sins that we've committed against you. But because you love us, because you love us, and because we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, those Christians that are here this morning, we're going to change addresses someday soon. We should reverence you that for that. God, I pray today that this would touch somebody's heart. This would open up somebody's eyes to respect you. I'll listen in your son's name. We pray. Amen. Reverence. I've said this before, I know <clears throat> I refuse to have reverend put in front of my name. I will not put reverend in front of my name. You, when I sign a marriage certificate, I will put rev or pastor. But I do not like that. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm there. I mean, I've been called by God to, to preach. I understand that. But I take that word reverence very very serious when it comes to god and i don't feel worthy of that title i never have we need to have an honor and a respect for god for for jesus christ we need to have reverence for god this morning first thing we'll look at is because we call him father we call him father don't you think back to your fathers for just a moment just, just a second. Think about, think about your dad. Think about your grandparents, grand, your grandpa. Think about how we honored them and how we respected them. I've got a cousin that I've never heard him call his dad dad. He's always called him by his first name. Calls him Vernon. Irks me. That's disrespectful. The girls... Clay, I don't know what Clayton calls me. I can understand him yet. But I get called dad or daddy. If they need something, it's daddy. I've learned that one pretty quick. But I don't mind that. It's respect. They respect me. If they were to come to me and say, Chad, I need something, I'm going to say, go talk to Maria. <laughs> go talk to your mama. That's disrespectful to me. Call him dad. Daddy. The word reverence means to have a deep respect for somebody. A father should be reverenced. Uh, every child should reverence their, their father. Every child should. We raise them. What's, it, what's the, the argument with most parents whenever young'uns learn how to talk? Are they going to say, Dad, Dad, or Mama first? What's it going to be? Clayton, he started on Mama two months ago, didn't he? He just jabbering at Mama all day long, which is fine. Two out of three ain't bad for for me, <laughs> I think I was the first on the other two. Anyway, 
we, we reverence. So we're at a young age. We are teaching our children to have reverence, to have respect. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. We don't see that very often anymore. In our school system, we don't even see our children being able to... Or, or, do you, are you called... I mean, what are you called? What do they call you? Do they say yes, ma'am? No, ma'am, do you? No. Where does that start at? Home. Home. That's where it starts. Home. We're not teaching that anymore. I'm not even... I'm, I'm talking about reverencing God, reverencing our elders, and having honor and respect for them. But even... even and you're not an elder. I'm not saying that, Kristen. <laughs> but just for adults in general, we are to teach our children that. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Have reverence for those that are in authority. God is in authority. It means to hold them in high esteem or honor or respect them. As Christians, God is our Father. So if we are teaching our children to honor and have reverence for their, their father, their earthly father, then for God being our heavenly father, they are to, and we are to, reverence him, to honor him. As, as his adopted children through Jesus, we are to reverence him and give him honor. We're to honor him and fear him so we don't offend him and dishonor him and bring shame to his name. That's the one thing that I never want to do is to bring shame or dishonor to my family name, but I definitely don't want to bring honor or shame to God's name. I don't want to do a thing in this world that would dishonor him, his church, his people. That mm, I'm not going to do that. I will not. I will not compromise because compromise would bring dishonor and shame to him, his church, and his people. The point is, if you call God your Father, you're to live like it. Stay true to him. Stay true to his word. Stick with his word. Honor his word. Honor him. In all that you do, call on your Father. When you need help, call on the Father. Ain't that the first thing we do? Growing up, whenever you needed something, you, you got hurt, fell off your bike, or you got scuffed up, or whatever it was, you always went to your parent. You was crying for your parent first. Crying for the Father. Crying for your mom or your dad. Do the same thing when you're hurt, when you're helpless feeling. Call on God to help you. Have that kind of reverence. Live a life of reverence to Him so that when you are hurt, you know exactly who to call on first. Call on Him to help you out, to give you His strength. But whatever you do, reverence Him. Honor Him. Show honor and respect Him by living for Him. Secondly, reverence God because He will judge the world. Reverence God because He will judge the world. We don't talk about this as much as we probably ought to. I've got a lot of phone calls this week. Believe it or not, I actually referred one to you, Keith. <laughs> There's a lot of people worried right now about what's going on overseas, what's going on, what's taking place in Ukraine. There, there's, it's okay to be concerned. I, I'm all right with it. I've read, actually, I've been over in Ezekiel 38 a lot this week, reading up on this. What's going on? What's taking place? Are we seeing something unfold right now of biblical proportions? I don't know. I'm doing a lot of reading, though. God's going to judge this world at some point. Verse 17, I'm going to read that one more time. It says, And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. The word fear right here means to hold God in awe. 
And that's what He is. When you look at God, we should be in awe. When we see the things that He has done for us, we should be in complete and utter awe of Him. When we look at the cross, every time I see that cross or you see that cross, you should be in awe of that cross because of the sacrifice of His Son. So when we see the word fear here in the last part of verse 17, we should see that and, and, and see just nothing but awe in God. The judgment of God, should, it should strike fear in every single one of us. We're all going to be judged. Every single one of us will be judged. There is no way around it. We're going to be judged. And that should scare a lot of people. It's, it's, if you think about the judgment of God, it's the most fearful, dreaded, horrifying experience imaginable. It is scary when you think about what's going to take place when you stand before Him. The human mind can't picture how awful that it will be to be judged and then be cut off from God. We, we can't. Our little pea brain minds can't comprehend that. As a Christian, I definitely can't comprehend that. But it scares a fire out of me because I know that there's people who are going to split hell wide open that are going to fall under that category, that are going to be cut off from God. And we can try, we can preach, we can pray, we can do whatever we can in our power to try to get them to meet Jesus in a good way and have a relationship with Him, but not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to do it. Two things are said right here in this verse about the judgment of God. First thing, every person is going to be judged. We know this. Amen. Everybody's going to be judged. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. No one's going to escape that judgment. Every person will come. It's at some point in, in, in that day, they will stand in a private interview with God. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't want to get there. But we're going to stand before God. Now, I don't know if, if Jesus will be there with you. If it'll be just God. But I know two people's going to be there, and that's me and Him. I don't believe He's going to have all the disciples there. I don't believe old Saint Peter's going to be, you know, letting you through the gate and all that stuff we're we're told about. But I, I know that we're going to stand face to face in front of God. I do know that much. And we're going to be judged. Now for the unbeliever, you're going to face the dreaded great white throne of judgment. We studied this last year, two years ago now, I guess. Revelation 20. It says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, for whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Now the believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's us. I I'm not going to say the churchgoers because there's a lot of people in churches that ain't saved yet. But the Christians will stand at that judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be <laughs> good or bad. Good or bad. That's a tough one. Now the second thing in this verse about the judgment of God is it's the works of a person that are, are going to be judged. And I think this is where things get 
misconstrued around different denominations and religions. Some denominations say that it's all about the works and you it works and gets you into heaven. We know that's the furthest thing from the truth because it's works after salvation. Works after salvation. So in this verse it says, who without respect to person, persons judgeth according to every man's work. Why does it say that? Because there will be no false professions in heaven. When you stand before, no, I'm sorry, I'm back up, not heaven, before God. When we stand before God, there'll be no false professions. There'll be no lip service. There'll be no lying. You'll give account of the good and the bad. You're going to give account for the works or the lack thereof. Folks, that's, that's, the lack thereof is probably going to outweigh the works because we've had ample time. We've had a lot of time after salvation for the works thing to go and to do. Now, I'm not saying that after you're saved that you're going a mission trip every month and try to witness to all the people around the world as you can, but there's been so many opportunities for each one of us to be a witness and to do the works of God around here, be His hands and feet here on earth. been tons of opportunities that we have not taken advantage of. We'll answer for that. I believe that 100%. We'll answer for that. Our works show that we believe and stand for what we believe and stand for in this life. Whatever we do, if we do it in Jesus' name, that's works. Everything we do, if we do it in His name, we're glorifying Him, we're lifting Him up, we're honoring Him, we're having reverence for Him, and He'll remember that. And we'll, we'll remember that. Third thing, reverence God because we are only passing through. I like this part. I'm just here for a little while. Just a little while. Verse 17, look at the, the last part there. Verse 17. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. A stranger is a pilgrim, a sojourner, someone just passing through. Here on earth, I'm just a stranger. I'm just a stranger. You're just a stranger. Born and raised here, you're still a stranger. Because we're just passing through. Y'all are just passing through Squirrel Creek right now. Y'all are just passing through Avery County. We're just passing through Watauga County. We're just passing through. This home, this, this place right here is not my home. I don't want it to be my home. I don't want to live here forever. I don't like this place. I don't like this earth. I've read too much about heaven. I know what's in store for me in heaven, so I don't want this to be my eternal home. I'll do what I can here now, but I'm ready to go home. I know what's waiting for me. It's awesome because this means this old world is just a temporary place. It is not permanent. Where you're living right now, think of all the Floridians that have summer homes up here. So that's just a, their summer homes are temporary homes up here. Their permanent home is in Florida. Our permanent home is in heaven. Our homes here on earth are just temporary. Our real home is in heaven with Jesus. Have you ever, think about when you've been away from home. Now whether it be, you know, long term or just a few days, th think about being away from home. Where, where's your mind at? All my travels, I can barely make it to the airport without starting to think about home. Thinking about 
what's going on at home. First time I really had a panic attack on an airplane was when I flew over to the Philippines back in 2013, I think. But I went over, I was there for a couple, three weeks. And I remember landing in Atlanta, getting ready to take it back off in Atlanta. And my mind went back to Abby. And all I could think about was Abby singing. And I had a panic attack. I wanted to go home. I was ready to come home because that's where my mind was. That's where my heart was, was home. That's how it should be as believers. As we think about home, we need to be thinking about heaven. That's where our heart and our minds need to be. It's thinking about heaven because that is our home. That's where we will be. We should live this life with our minds and our hearts on heaven. That is the permanent home. As that old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through here. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I love that song. That song is true. That's a true song right there. Number four, reverence God because we have been redeemed. Look at verse 18 again. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition, Remember that word tradition right there. From your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who or verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in this last times for you. That, that word redeem right there means to set free or deliver by paying the ransom. Been redeemed. Jesus paid the ransom for us through his blood. This verse teaches us three important things about redemption. The first thing is to be redeemed means to be set free from the empty way of life that we have been taught to live here by. That's that, our forefathers thing there that was talking about. We've been taught that. We've been... No, and I don't even think that, it, that people know that it's being taught anymore. The world will teach us to live for possessions. They teach us to live for pleasures. That's what the world is teaching us. And I don't even think that we realize it anymore. We become numb to it. It's just a part of everyday life. It's been ingrained in us. I mean, think about what you see on TV. What are commercials? What are these, these ads on TV for? And in magazines and newspapers, what are all these ads for? It's to bring us possessions and pleasure because that's where we think that we're going to have it made. If I've got more stuff, I'll be more happy. Possessions and pleasure. There's a problem here. This worldly life, it don't work. You're not going to find pleasure in that. You're not going to find happiness in that. It leaves you empty. It leaves a void inside of you. It leaves you incomplete. It, it leaves you unfilled. Unlike Jesus, when you get Jesus, he fills you up. He fills up those voids and those imperfections and all the, the emptiness that you have in your heart. He fills that up where the worldly things cannot. Worldly things, the Bible tells us right there, are corruptible. That silver, it'll tarnish. It can flake away. Not Jesus. Redemption, second thing, cost us nothing. 
We're not, so when you read that, we just read that. It says that we are not redeemed by silver or gold. Jesus didn't go up to the Father and say, I, I really don't feel like I need to be sacrificed. I don't need to die for these people. Here, some money. Just throw money at it. No, that's corruptible. He's uncorruptible. He knew. He knew silver and gold would perish. You can't buy your way into heaven. No matter how much you drop in the offering plate, you ain't going to buy your way into heaven. Third thing, we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. When Jesus came to earth, He never disobeyed the law of God. As the Father, what do we do? As kids, we disobey our parents, don't we? You could say amen. It's okay. You too. We disobey. As children, that's just our nature. We disobey our parents. Jesus never disobeyed his heavenly father. I don't know that he ever disobeyed Joseph. I, I don't know. We don't know much about him. I doubt it. But he didn't back talk Mary none. Because he respected them as parents. Jesus stood before God as perfect. So when he went to this cross, he went to that cross as perfect. We can't do that. There ain't no way we can do that. When he died, he was able to bear the judgment for each one of us and, and, and take on the punishment of our sin because he was perfect. The blood of Jesus is the eternal ransom paid for our sins. Fifth thing, last thing, we need to reverence God because he raised and glorified Jesus. Verse, verse 21. Who by him do believe in God that raised him from, up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. God knows how to raise up and glorify the dead. God knows how to do it. That wasn't just him telling us that he could do it. That's him showing us that he can do it. And he did do it. And that was through his son, Jesus Christ. He has proven it. He didn't just say it. He proved it. He definitely proved it. He's proven it, and I, I wrote this down. I just thought it was pretty good here. He has proven it through his omnis omniscience, <laughs> supreme knowledge. He has proved it through his omnipotence, his supreme power, by raising up and glorifying Jesus. He's proved it through who he is, where he is, what he can do, what he knows. He does it. He just And he continues to prove it. He blesses us every single day with so much. And He just continues to prove who He is and what He can do for us. And we need to glorify Him and honor Him. God deserves our reverence because we are promised in His Word that just as Christ has been raised up, so shall we. He's promised us that. What body parts are going with you, Keith? I couldn't tell you right now. That's a whole other discussion. But he promised us that he would raise us up. So when we're done here, when he's done with us here on earth, when our time is to, to go on home, he's going to do that. He's just going to take us on home. He's going to transition us from here to heaven.
to our new home. This morning, ask yourself this question before we leave. Has the Holy Spirit revealed anything to you about your life this morning? And when I say that, do you see the lack of reverence for God in your life? I think there's all, always going to be room for improvement when it comes to reverence in God. Always going to be room for that improvement. So I encourage you to do that. Work on it. Work on your fear of God. Your reverence for Him. Have more respect for God. A lot more respect. We've taken Him for granted for too long. Respect Him. Reverence Him. Fear Him. But we need to work on that. He deserves our reverence. Likewise, we should, we should fear Him. Because all of us will see Him one day. Believer or unbeliever. We're going to get to meet Him one day. We're all going to be judged. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Reverence. So there's some there's things I see here that helps with training up our youngins. And what I see here is we have youngins here. This helps with raising up our youngins. This helps with the reverence of showing respect to others. It's a respect that they have. Ethan tickles me to death. I always look forward to right after we say amen, he comes up to see me. I love that. I do. But teaching respect and reverence starts at home, but it also starts here in the church as well. So bringing youngins here, I don't care how loud they are. I don't care how much they run around. I don't care how much they break. That's the trustee's responsibilities, not the preacher's. <laughs> I'm just glad they're here. I'm just glad they're here. It tickles me to death to see them. But this is training them up the way they should go. Because when they get old, they won't depart from it, according to the Bible. And they'll have a respect for the church, they'll have respect for God, and they'll have a respect for one another. Jonathan, would you dismiss?